Good evening. evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special welcome to any guests that may be joining us this evening on this Maundy or Holy Thursday. And in case you've ever wondered where that word Maundy comes from, it's from an old Latin word, mandatum, meaning mandate, referring to the new command that Jesus gave to his disciples on this night, as he also instituted the most holy supper of his body and his blood. At this time, I'll direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have our Focused on Christ section. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. By eating his body and drinking his blood, we proclaim to all the world that Jesus is indeed our Passover lamb, who was sacrificed for us on Calvary. In Christ, the Lord remembers us in mercy and remembers our sin no more. He forgives us all our iniquity. With such love, he loved his own who were in the world and even loves us to the end. As he washes us and feeds us in love, let us love one another just as he has loved us. A brief service note at the end of this service, of course, you'll uh, remember that there is the stripping of the altar. During that time, Psalm 22 will be chanted by a couple members of the choir. So as you see it come up there in the, uh, in the bulletin, know that that will be uh, chanted by members of the choir. And also, as we do have the great joy of receiving the Lord's body and blood in and under bread and wine this evening, in accord with his word and with his institution, he bids us all to be united in our confession of the Christian faith. Therefore, we ask that all those attending the Lord's Supper this evening be either members of our congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining together in that one common orthodox confession of uh, the Christian faith. Our service this evening is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. O Lord, in this wondrous sacrament you have left us a remembrance of your passion. Grant that we may so receive the sacred mystery of your body and blood, that the fruits of your redemption may continually be manifest in us. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament reading for Holy Thursday is from Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night. Roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its, heads with, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. 
And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned <coughs> along with the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not, now under do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I, then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another, John 13, 34. That is one of two additional verses that are appointed for this day. It's also where this day gets his name, Maundy Thursday, from the Latin mandatum, meaning command. We also call it Holy Thursday because this is Thursday of Holy Week. So whichever name you prefer for this day, the theme is still the same, love. But how is Jesus' bickering band of disciples supposed to love each other? Well, how are we? This group of men who argued over the seats of honor in Jesus' kingdom, how were they supposed to love one another? Begs the question again for us, how are we? Didn't the law already command us to love our neighbor as ourselves? So what's new about this new commandment? Jesus ties his mandate to love one another with the holy supper he gives. Jesus' words to love one another also go hand in hand with his servant act of washing his disciples' feet. And it all happened in the upper room. Foot washing, Lord's Supper, and a new command. It all happened on the night when he was betrayed into death. So it goes for our love for one another. As Jesus' holy people, those who have been made holy by Jesus, we can only love one another as we are connected to Jesus, to his body and blood, by his cross, and in his supper. John's Gospel, it does not give us an institution of the Lord's Supper. For that, we look to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul. But St. John is still catechizing us. He still has plenty to say about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is woven into the background. Since we know and have the Lord's Supper, St. John, he's expanding our horizons on what it means to cling to Jesus' love and to actually love one another. The Lord's Supper is in the background when Jesus turns Old Testament washing water into New Testament wine at the wedding of Cana. The Lord's Supper is in the background when Jesus feeds the 5,000 and proclaims himself to be the very bread of life. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, he said. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That from John 6. The Lord's Supper is in the background of the whole sermon Jesus preaches in the upper room on the night of his betrayal. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Baptism and Lord's Supper go hand in hand in John's Gospel. They're just as close as the foot washing and the supper in the upper room the night before he was crucified. They are bound together just as the water and the blood that flowed from Jesus pierced its side at his crucifixion. Jesus knew what lay ahead of him that night. He knew one of his disciples would betray him. He knew all the things that he knew all things that were given to him by his father, that he had come from God, that he was going to God. He knew that the time of his Passover was near. The time when his blood would paint the wood of the cross so that death might pass over. So knowing all this, Jesus rose from the table, laid aside his outer garments. He tied a towel around his waist and poured a basin full of water. He knelt down. He began to wash his disciples' feet. And then he dried them with the towel that he was wearing. Jesus did what no Hebrew slave would do. Wash feet. 
Now, foot washing was a crucial part of social etiquette in Jesus' culture. It was something like our moms today saying, don't forget to wash your hands before supper. They did that, but they also washed their feet. Remember, Jesus and his disciples reclined on pillows at a low table instead of sitting in chairs as we do. That put your neighbor's feet very close to your face and vice versa. Therefore, foot washing. And yet foot washing was one of the lowest and most menial tasks. Only the lowest rank of slave would do this. But here in the upper room, the Lord of heaven and earth, the incarnate word through all things, through whom all things were made, sets aside his own garments and wears the lowly towel of the humblest, lowliest slave. What extreme humility. The one called teacher and Lord washes the feet of his disciples. But Peter objected, you shall never wash my feet. Peter is too proud to have Jesus bend down and wash his feet. That same sort of pride, well, it keeps us from baptism, absolution, Lord's Supper, and the gospel preached. It also keeps us from bending down to wash the feet of brothers and sisters in our own midst. Surely Jesus is more glorious than a bath, a spoken word of forgiveness and a bit of bread and wine. Surely washing feet is not a proper use of our great spiritual gifts. Isn't the real Jesus more glorious, more spiritual than that? More spiritual than some crucified foot washer? But that is not faith. It is unbelief that speaks in that way. <coughs> Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So we too must be washed by Jesus, bathed as little children, baptized into his death and resurrection. We cannot wash ourselves. We wouldn't even if we could. Little children who play in the mud, they rather enjoy getting muddy, just as we rather enjoy the filth of our sin. We've grown accustomed to it. But we cannot come to the table with dirty feet. So Jesus bends down to us in his humbled, crucified humanity to wash us. He reaches down to the dirtiest and most deeply soiled places in our lives, down to the soles of our feet, where we touch the earth from which we were made, the dirt to which we will return in death. He reaches down to the place where the dirt of our earthly life is ground in and stubborn, and washed by Jesus, baptized into his death, we're cleansed from head to toe. Jesus' washing drowns our stubborn pride, the ego of our old Adam, our old sinful flesh. It frees us from the bondage of our pride to serve others in the humility of Christ. If I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus shows us the posture of the disciple before the world. Stoop down as a servant with towel and basin, washing filthy feet. To be a disciple of the Lord Jesus means having your feet washed by Jesus so that you may in turn wash the feet of others. It means being loved by a humbled and crucified Christ so that you may be humbled and crucified to love one another in him. And washed by Jesus, you're clean, ready for supper. You can recline and relax at his table. You can let your defenses down. At his table, Jesus is host and servant and main course all at the same time. 
He gives his precious body to eat and his Passover blood for us to drink. And as fruitful branches are to the vine, so you are to Jesus at his table. He is the true vine. You are the branches. You are grafted into Jesus through faith. You receive his life into you. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Take eat, drink of it, all of you, he says. His life flows from the cross to the chalice and into your mouths. And his life in you, it bears fruit. His love for you overflows to your neighbor. It's in this context that Jesus gives his new mandate, his new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. What's new with this commandment? Well, it's not the love. Love your neighbor as yourself is the old commandment from Moses. What's new is Jesus' washing and feeding, his baptism and his supper of body and blood. These are Jesus' mandates, so to speak, for you. This is how you learn to love one another. Jesus' new mandate to his disciples is to receive his love in all the ways that he wants to give it, all the ways that he has ordained to give it. Jesus' new mandate means being loved by him so that his love flows through you to one another. His love is poured out for you in his death and poured into you in his baptism and in his supper. His love bears fruit as it has its way with you, leads you to bend down, wash each other's feet, serve each other, and live for each other's benefit. As we learn to be filled with Jesus' self-giving love, his love flows through us to each other. It is just as we sang a few minutes ago. Jesus gave to his disciples a commandment that was new. Show my love to one another. Do as I have done for you. All the world will know you love me as you love each other too. In the name of Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Church of Christ, that through this sacrament and the proclamation of his death, Christ's way may be known on earth and his saving power among all the nations. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For renewed confidence in the cleansing of our baptisms, that we would seek the Lord without fear and find a place at his table. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the young men of the church, that God would inspire them to godly service and a strong witness to Christ's atoning blood, which has saved them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For humility and selflessness according to the pattern of Christ, that now in our vocations we would follow his example of self-sacrifice. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our leaders, that God would give them wisdom and courage to serve his, to serve his word in the punishment of wrong, the pro promotion of good, and the protection of the weak. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For mothers with child and the children in their wombs, that none would dishonor the Lord's sacred gift of life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all in need, including John Brenneman, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Richard Phillips, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, Ted Phillips, and those we name in our hearts that God would grant relief to the suffering, comfort to the grieving, and peace to the dying. Let us pray to the Lord. 
that the blood of Jesus would be upon us and on our children to cleanse us from sin and bestow his new and eternal covenant. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Gracious God, in your holy supper, you give us a foretaste of the feast to come. By your word and spirit, unite in true faith those who receive your son's body and blood this day, that they may proclaim Christ's death until he comes. For you alone with the Son and the Holy Spirit are one God now and forever. Amen. 